0: It was only through that self love journey that I could create the art that I'm creating now. A lot of the reason why I could not find my art style and like have that ultimate thing that I wanted so badly that I couldn't get was because of all of that noise and all of that expectation of like what I should be creating versus what really resonated.
1: Welcome back to Seek the Joy podcast. Happy Seek the Joy Tuesday. I'm your host, Sydney Weiss, and welcome to the first episode of 2020. I am so excited to be back podcasting and sharing these episodes and these conversations with you guys. It's been a minute too since I've recorded an intro, so I'm kind of feeling (laughs) a little rusty, but I'm excited to be back and so excited to share with you this week's new conversation on the podcast this week is Reina Noriega. She's an incredible visual artist, photographer, educator, and writer who brings her love for diversity and creativity into everything that she does. She's really an incredible light and she seeks to represent the beauty and vibrance of women and fill the world with fine art of these women so that they can really feel represented in those spaces. Raina is so talented. We first connected in 2018, and I have loved just every second of watching her grow and expand over the last year. I'm so excited to introduce you guys to her passion and her joy and her inspiration. In this week's new episode, we chat all about Reina's creative and entrepreneurial journey, what it means to give yourself permission to embrace your creative path and learning to trust our soul poles so that we can really begin to shed old layers and allow each experience to lead us down the path that we're meant to take. Raina shares with us her healing journey, how falling more deeply in love with herself in 2019 really transformed her life and her art and her style and the impact of cultivating greater self-love, self-compassion, and self-acceptance has had. Plus, Raina shares with us the inspiration behind her new book, In Bloom. We talk about Pepper, who is her dog, and having puppies last year, what she's most excited about for 2020, her biggest dream and so much more. Before we dive in to this week's new episode, a couple of things I wanna share with you guys. One, I am debuting a new series on the podcast this year and it goes live on February 11th. So stay tuned to Seek the Joy podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever it is that you listen to the show. Stay tuned for a trailer coming a little later this week um, to share with you guys what this new series is all about. I'm always thinking about new ways to connect and grow grow and share and I think this series will totally let me do just that. Don't forget about Joy Corner. It's the interview style blog series on our website. I am just blown away by the incredible people who share their journeys and their inspirations with us over on the blog. So make sure that you check that out too. And I just really want to dive in to this week's new episode. I always love connecting with Raina and I'm so excited to share this inspiring conversation. Really couldn't imagine a better way to kick off 2020. So I can't wait to hear what you guys think. Make sure to join the conversation on our social media channels. We are at Seek the Joy podcast everywhere. Make sure to hit subscribe, whether that's on Spotify or Apple podcasts and leave us a rating and review. Ratings and reviews really help us grow and show people what this podcast is all about. And I would be so grateful if you left us one. So make sure to take a screenshot of that review and send it to sydney at seekthejoypodcast.com. I'll send you some goodies to say thank you. And really, without further ado, here is this week's new episode with Reina Noriega. Where did your creative journey begin? You're a visual artist and an educator and an author, and your second book just came out in bloom. Where did this journey begin? Did it start when you were really young?
0: I was interested when I was very young. My father was a visual artist. And so, of course, I wanted to be just like him. I thought it was so cool the way he would draw in his sketchbook. But um, I was convinced I couldn't draw, like, throughout most of my childhood and adolescence. I really clung to writing because that's where I was getting a lot of, like, positive feedback from my teachers and, like, winning writing contests and stuff. So I was really, really hell-bent on publishing a novel before I was like 16, which never happened. But that was my aspiration. Um, I fell back in love with art later high school years, like 11th and 12th grade. Mm -hmm. From there, I did a little internship with a museum. And it really affirmed, I didn't feel like my skills were good enough to be an artist, but I was feeling the passion. I was feeling the, the comfort and kind of like it's kind of like you go to a place, like maybe you travel somewhere and it immediately feels like home. And you're mm-hmm. like, I don't know anything about this place. Like, why does this feel so safe and so good? Um, and so I just kept having those interactions and those feelings. College, I wanted to be a visual art major. Um, I chickened out at orientation and decided <laughs> to <laughs> decided to go a safer route. Um, yeah. I went into psychology. Um, minored in art and English, English because I thought it would help my creative writing. Yeah. Did not realize it would be so much old English literature. Um, but while I was in college, I did an internship with Art Basel, um, with a Latin arts magazine, and they curate all of the official tours during Basel. They make like the official mu- the official guide of all of the events and stuff happening, and so. In the months leading up to Basel, they had us, you know, contacting a lot, lots of galleries and museums around the world. And so I was like talking to a lot of people and it just felt like my mind was just like opening to like the possibilities mm-hmm. and just how connected the community was. And um, I still didn't have a clear vision, but it's like, I keep feeling like I I just, I need to be an artist. I have to be an artist. I don't know how, I don't know what I'm making, but I have to be. And the lady that was like in charge of supervising us and during our introduction she asked us like what are we doing like you know and I was like oh I'm a psychology major but I want to be an artist and she was like what do you mean you want to be an artist Hmm. you know one day like I want to be an artist and she's like well are you creating art and I was like yeah like I am sort of trying to and she was like well you're already an artist you don't have to wait for anybody else to decide that for you or to validate that for you. And hmm. that really stuck with me because that immediately changed the way that I referred to myself and just affirming that within myself made me feel more capable and like yeah. made me want to
1: continue practicing and things. I love that moment because it'll gave you the permission to empower yourself within your own creativity and within your own art and what a powerful message that you don't need to wait for permission to be who you are to be who you want to be, you just claim it in that moment. And, and that's mm-hmm. who you are not waiting for Definitely. permission in that Definitely.
0: way. Yeah. And so but I still at this point, I'm creating art, I'm painting a lot. But I am so focused on like the end goal. Mm-hmm. I hate everything I make It's just not good enough. It's just it's not what I think will take me where I want to go. Um, And so it's more frustrating than like rewarding or, or just like, how it feels now, you know, which is like flow and peace and, and joy. It was just a lot of like anxiety and comparison. So, I do an art show and I feature a lot of my paintings and the whole process stressed me out so much. Hmm. I didn't do another art show for 6 years. Wow. Yeah, it was just the whole process of just like overthinking, trying to create cohesive pieces when at the time I didn't even really have a style and then mm-hmm. just like putting my stuff up and comparing it to everybody else's stuff. I didn't, I couldn't, like, I couldn't do it again for a very long time. Yeah. um, Until very recently, until this past October. So from there, you know, I finished school. I know that I don't want to be a psychologist. I ended up meeting someone during the Art Basel that I was interning. And um, that propelled me into Europe And I went to Europe for the summer, things didn't work out, I came back super lost, confused, broke, didn't know what I was going to do, got a call from the school that I was a substitute teacher at, and they were just like, so we know that you're interested in art, and our art teacher quit a week before school was set to start, she decided to follow her daughter to college in North Carolina, can you fill in until we find somebody permanent? So I was like, I don't know anything. (laughs) The first thing about being a teacher, this is a lot. And I was really scared, but like, I just knew that I had to say yes. Mm -hmm. And that just ended up being one of the best decisions that I could have made at the time. It taught me so much about myself. It was like the best of both worlds. I never liked having a job because it felt very restrictive. Mm -hmm. It felt very just like monotonous the same thing day after day and teaching is like, not that, you know, like
1: every day is so different.
0: (laughs) Every day is so different. The person you answer to is like your principal, you know, or like, so it was kind of like, I got to teach them exactly what I wanted to teach them. Every day was different. There were so many personalities. They were eager (laughs) to learn. My mom had also been a teacher there and she had been, you know, like talking me up for years. So they're like, oh, you're the one that does this this and this and I'm like yes yeah you're like uh, really,
1: okay yes that's me <laughs> yeah so to them, I'm here <laughs> to them they think I know what
0: I'm doing they think that I'm this like big time artist and I'm just like I can't even draw the way I want to draw but I,
1: you know you can't you can't show them that. No, but I, I think that must have been an incredible experience for you to have like flexibility within a work environment and begin to, you know, explore art in a different way or your creativity in a different way that also had impact. Exactly, exactly. It completely shifted my focus.
0: And at this point, it's like, I get to be a kid again. So it's, I'm their leader. But at the same time, my creativity is expressing itself mm-hmm. in a very childlike manner. Like I'm not worried about judgment or outcomes. It's just a matter of I'm teaching them how to use this program or use this tool. This is what I'm going to create to demonstrate that. And then whatever I come up with is what I come up with. And I love it. They love it. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, it's not this big thing. Like, yeah, what is this art for? What does it mean? It's just it allowed me to just really explore. Um, and that was where I first dived into illustration. Before that, mm-hmm. I would paint and I would draw traditionally. And I I only used Photoshop for photography um, at the time. So that really was my first interaction with actual digital illustration. And um, I couldn't let them know that because then they would be like, why are you teaching us if you don't know
1: it? <laughs> it's like that sense of like fake it till you make it. You know what I mean? Like yes. you just show up and you've got to do your best and no one else has to know that you're freaking out on the inside, but it's all about just showing up and kind of surrendering. I think, like you just said, to whatever would happen. Like, this is what I would create. This is what it would be. We would be doing this together. And we would, uh-huh. both you and the students would be learning. But yeah, it's a lot of fake it till you make it. I've been in those situations too, where you're like, everyone thinks you're an expert or everyone thinks that you know what you're doing. And maybe you actually do, but you haven't trusted that for yourself mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. So you just got to fake it yes. and see how it goes.
0: Definitely. <laughs> and um, I actually, I had to get creative. You know, my first, I really wanted them to feel and to have what art and what pursuing art had given me the freedom from I was always a top student. And that kind of defined my personality, mm-hmm. you know, and like, mm-hmm. it's it kind of gets to the point where, okay, like being smart is not a personality trait. You no. know, it's like, <laughs> you have to like things about yourself besides being able to ace a test. Mm-hmm. And so and that was part of what drove me to switch from being a visual arts major to a psychology major because like in my head it's like in a field that's so unpredictable how can I measure my success like I need something that you know it's like for sure I know I can excel at Um, it's pen and paper it's like very concrete Mm -hmm. I wasn't yet able to follow my gut instincts and and just let things flow so having experienced that and, and seeing things go full circle and just being faced with like you could have had an art degree and been an art teacher just like you are now and you would have been fine Mm -hmm. so I really strive to like give them that that's something that I would say at like open house I would tell their parents like this is not just an elective like understand that if your kids are not excelling in certain things like there's always going to be something that they are good at and I think it's very important for us to like affirm them in that and to show them the options and just like mm-hmm. somebody designed your cell phone somebody's designing the movies you're watching everything you touch an artist has first touched and thought of and designed mm-hmm. and even if it's not in my class even if it's music you, you know any anything that it might be just know that those things are important and like if you have a a soul pull um it's probably worth exploring a little yeah. bit more.
1: That's such a good point because I think often we reject like a creative path or we don't think it's an option for us. And sometimes that comes from like society saying like, no, you got to be a doctor, a lawyer, you know, something serious, something concrete. And then your pull, what you're attracted to, what excites you, what lights you up is maybe it's more a creative path. Maybe it's being a designer or a graphic designer or an artist or an engineer. I mean, just something that maybe is quote unquote unconventional. And so I love that you encourage that. And that's something that you shared with them so early on. Like if, if art is something you're excited about, pursue 100%. it.
0: So my first year, it felt like it didn't really soak in the way I wanted to, mm-hmm. which in retrospect it did. Cause I still get mentions to this day of my students, like editing something or like I have kids that have graduated that are now like into makeup or into mm-hmm. cars and things. And they're like making stickers, they're photographing, they're, you know, editing their videos and stuff in a special way. And they're like saying, oh, thanks to, to me for doing that. Mm-hmm. But in the moment, I felt like, like, they're not, they're not seeing the importance, mm-hmm. but that really drove me to try to teach in, um, varied ways and like provide them with other outside influences. So I would bring a lot of my creative friends that were full-time artists, photographers, whatever the case may be to come in and kind of do a talk with them and and teach them a skill. And it really resonated with a lot of them. And they really Mm. got the opportunity to have like some more mentors and stuff like that. So that was fun. And that was a rewarding aspect of it.
1: I love this journey through teaching because I think it's such an interesting metaphor for our own personal journeys of you doubt yourself. You don't think this is something you can do. You do it, you go and you immerse yourself in it, and then you make it your own. And I think often we fear doing that. We fear making the mm-hmm. journey our own because either there's self-judgment or there's judgment from others. And, and so I love that this is how this teaching experience really played out for you. You made it your own. You showed them possibilities. And then within it, you showed yourself possibilities too. Oh, yeah.
0: Yes, it was. I. It's definitely a, a time in my life that I look very fondly of. It's, it's one moment that I'm like, I wish it didn't have to end. But also, I know that it needs, you know, like, it's, yeah. I can't, I wouldn't be who I was now if I had continued just because I had expanded and learned and grown and absorbed and allowed myself to just be fully present. And I could feel when it was time to, mm-hmm. you know, to move on and like, make myself uncomfortable again and expand
1: in a different way. Yeah, that's it's so interesting what you just said about you felt when this period of time in your life, you felt when it was coming to an end and you had to trust it and leap into the next uncomfortable part of the journey because making a, sh- a switch, making a transition, even if it feels really good and exciting, it's also really uncomfortable and I think mm-hmm. can often be really scary. How did you push yourself to mm-hmm. to take that leap? Yeah,
0: I had been... Freelancing while teaching for a while, I had started to see my business pick up, especially when I started including like illustration as a service. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, a lot of the things that brought me joy in teaching started to diminish. The school grade had gone down, which caused administration to be a lot more tense. Mm-hmm. They started making it a lot harder for us to get field trips approved. Field trips were very important to me. We would do a Basel field trip. Um, We would go to various museums and stuff. And for kids in the part of Miami that I was teaching, which was very South Homestead, closer to the Keys, a lot of them never left that area. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing down there. There's there's no major malls. There's no major attractions. There's no major art galleries. It's just homes, farmlands, and shopping centers, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was a major way for me to make sure that they're impacted, make sure making sure that they're aware of just how big the world and the possibilities are. Yeah. That started to frustrate me. Another thing was events. I would put together like fundraising events and stuff because I also did the yearbook and I wanted to make sure we had like extra money to do cool things with the yearbook. And that was another thing. Dates were being canceled. No, you can't do events during school because testing this day and Mm -hmm. it's like testing spans from like the first day of school to the last day of school. So it's like virtually impossible. So things had just
1: changed like so much. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it was just like, I found my, I, I, it was never like that. My first few years where every day I'm complaining every day, I'm standing outside of my classroom, talking to another teacher. And we're just like, Oh, I can't stand this. I can't wait for summer. Like mm-hmm. I just never talked like that. And every time I would engage in those conversations, I would hear myself and it was like an alarm going off in my head. Like, mm-hmm. listen to yourself, like listen to the negativity you're allowing to perpetuate. And just like the fact that, I wasn't learning anything new. I just felt myself being drained. Yeah. So something went wrong with my certificate. The first year, like I mentioned, that I got hired, it was it was supposed to be temporary. So I was teaching and being paid as a sub. And it wasn't until like the end of the year that they were like, "Okay, you need to get your your certificate so we can like pay you full salary. And I did that. And you're supposed to have three years from that point to get your professional certificate. So it was like around that time where I was debating what to do. I was also applying for the courses that would move me up to the professional certificate. Mm-hmm. And I found out that like the state was like, oh, we can't pay for these classes because you're in your last six months of your temporary. And this is something you have to do with at least a year span. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how could I be in my last six months when like I just got it this day? And they're like, no, we backdated." it to the first day of school. And I was like, but that doesn't make sense. Like, I didn't (sighs) get teacher pay until May. Like, how are you going to backdate it? And it was just like this whole thing. And and I looked into taking actual courses and I had like a decision to make. It was like, are you going to spend $3,500 to... Continue a career you never planned to be in, or are you going to see this as like your time, your moment? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and so it was very hard, but I knew it was like the right decision yeah. for me at the time.
1: It's interesting, like these moments that sort of serve as like jumping off posts to do the next, to do what you're supposed to mm-hmm. do next, but you don't know it. You don't know that that's what's happening, you know, when you're in it, but you just have to summon your courage and trust yourself and then leap. Um, But it's so funny because also there are things that happen that kind of serve as like hints as to like, this is not where you're supposed to be. You're not supposed to feel this way. You're not supposed Mm -hmm. to be drained and frustrated. You want to be in an environment and doing something that, you know, makes you feel Mm -hmm. like filled as opposed to drained.
0: Yes. And I'm so grateful that I listened to that and I found a way to make those hints that I get from the universe, those hints I get as gut feelings as like my personal truth and law versus Mm -hmm. like letting fear overtake me or overthinking or how am I going to get this done? And I think it's also helped me to understand that I'm being led somewhere, but it doesn't necessarily mean that things are going to happen immediately because I didn't quit teaching and then plummet into freelancing. I, I looked for jobs and I had two very good job offers at the time. They both kept me constant with what I was making as a teacher, but they were now in the fields that I wanted, you know? Mm -hmm. So one was Mm -hmm. to be a creative director of a startup and one was to be basically just like a designer for a company that I was like a major like makeup subscription box company that I was modeling for. When it was time to pick, I picked the startup based on the flexibility and the freedom I would have to still kind of figure out how to eventually one day make this move towards full-time freelancing. Yeah. And then that was when I went to Basel in Switzerland. And it was just like a life-changing experience again. It was like that feeling again of like, I'm home. This is where I'm meant to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when I came back, you know, things, things played out as they were meant. The startup leadership became a nightmare. And when I had to quit, it was like a very immediate drastic thing that I had to do Mm -hmm. and there was no backup plan at that time Mm -hmm. so I quit my lease was also up at my apartment I stayed at my parents and I was like well I'll try freelancing if it works I'll move to the city and I'll continue if not then I'll have to look for a job and figure out where I'm gonna live and you know things like that and Mm -hmm. it just worked out that projects were coming to me and just things that were affirming that like you can do this like you'll be fine
1: Yeah. I love what you just shared because I think so often we think that the path is linear. It's like a straight line. And the truth is, is that you can take three giant steps forward and then be propelled in another direction. And then you never know you know, what those experiences are going to mean for you along mm-hmm. your journey. And it, you just reminded me of something that someone has said to me for as long as I can remember, which is that there's always going to be a parachute you know, you're, to catch you. You're always going to be supported. You just have to trust and know that it's going to be there and trust and know that you have options. You're never really stuck, you know, where you're at. And I think when we're in it, when we're in the journey, we don't, we don't remember those things that Mm -hmm. you have options. You can figure out what's going to work for you um, and and see how it goes. Definitely.
0: Definitely. And that's what
1: those are the things that make it harder than it needs to be for
0: other people who are looking to follow their dreams and their passions it's those feelings, like if you don't realize that that's not real, like that is a liar, that is your lower or present current self, being afraid of the layers that are going to be pulled off in order for you to evolve. Mm -hmm. And when you don't know that you stay in the same place, complaining about the same things, wishing for more, but not knowing that like you have the power to make the action that will create the reality that you want.
1: Mhm. I love what you just shared about these layers and shedding these layers and and not being afraid to do that. I want to talk about your journey shedding those layers and you've shared a lot about it already in just this creative journey going from this space of self-judgment and I don't think I'm an artist and I could never be good enough to actually becoming an art teacher and then, you know, having this freelance business and and actually, you know, really embodying the artist that you are and the artist that you want to be, I know that this process of shedding those layers has really influenced your writing and your Mm -hmm. poetry and what you share both online and also in your books. And so walk me through like 2019, like this year, what creating in Bloom was like, this journey of healing, and also I think self-love and acceptance that you've been on. Yes, definitely. My first
0: book was... It was a collection of poetry and it was focused on a relationship I was in. Just things like as I, it was my first mature relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a high school sweetheart and we were in love, but it was like puppy love and everything was perfect and beautiful all the time until (laughs) we had to separate. And then, so this was my first time like being in a relationship with someone who was at the same place as me, you know, like in life um, we were both educators And we were just doing adult things. We were traveling together, you know, making plans and things like that. And it was giving me like a lot, a lot, a lot of anxiety. Mm -hmm. So that was not the book. Both of these were not the books that I anticipated publishing when I said I wanted to be a writer. Because
1: you originally wanted to write a novel, right? By the time you were 16. And then instead, here comes poetry and like really sharing this vulnerable part about of who you are. Yes. And I have
0: flash drives and flash drives of those novels that just Mm. will not I don't know, they have not seen the light of day. But these were what I felt called to like put together and to Mm -hmm. publish. Mm -hmm. Just because I started to realize like, as I looked back at the poems, they made me really happy, even after the breakup, because I realized how honest I was, you know, like I wasn't romanticizing everything. I was just very honest about my feelings when things were good, when I was scared, when I was anxious. And I just realized that it revealed a lot about me and and my sense of self. And so I realized, like, that was a journey that I was on. And Mm -hmm. that journey led me closer to myself. So that book, it published. And me and my ex at the time, like, we were in a weird place. Like, we were breaking up, but we hadn't broken up yet. So the book kind of ends on, like, a what, whatever. It's, like, up in the air, you Mm -hmm. know? Like, things are great, but, like, are they going to repair it? And so, after we did break up while I was recovering, you know, I was still like writing poems just because. And they kind of stayed there for the full year, you know, that I went through the process of like my last year teaching and just moving out of my apartment, like all of that. Like, I wasn't thinking like I'm writing another book. It mm-hmm. was just kind of like that's how I recovered and it, it's just sitting there. So, this past year, the journey became even more different. You know, I, I, a lot of my journey, I feel like it always comes back to love just because I grew up in a household where my parents fell in love and were engaged in three months and have been together for how old am I? they've been together for 28 years. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) So, so I think that, you know, like as a kid, like I, I identify very heavily. I don't know if you've seen it with Laura Jean with Mm -hmm. all the boys I've loved before. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She's me. Like everything is, is a romance novel. I love it. Oh, so that has really defined a lot of my lessons. A lot of my lessons have come from learning the hard way not to romanticize love and relationships Mm. and to just focus on me you know and like part of the reason that I chose the startup was because of a romantic connection and so the way that that blew up in my face I had to really look in the mirror and say like never again Mm. can I let myself be swept off my feet and into craziness because I take this as some kind of like very interesting, beautiful plot in some like crazy romance (laughs) novel when in reality this is just like not healthy and not, you
1: know? Yeah, like learning the difference between like getting swept up in the moment versus seeing that moment for what it is, taking a step back and like really allowing yourself to survey the experience, if that makes sense. Like I think you and I are very similar. Like I often jump into anything like really quickly because I'm excited about it without actually giving myself the time to be like, is this good? Does this make sense? Will this be sustainable for me? Right.
0: Right. right, So it must be. Yes. And I love that word. Sustainable. Is it sustainable? Yeah. And um, it really forced me to look in the mirror and say like, what was it that I was Lacking not in the sense of, like, I'm lacking something, but what what are the just knowledge of self Mm -hmm. and self-awareness? What was I lacking that allowed me to be wrapped up in that craziness? And, like, how can I make sure it never happens again? Mm. And so that launched me into just, like, a year of devoting all of my energy into loving, healing, pouring into myself, learning myself, and in the beginning, I still I didn't know that, you know, that would become the book or the bloom. I just know that everything happened so beautifully, even when it wasn't beautifully. Mm -hmm. (laughs) From the moment that I found my apartment and just like making that choice. It was a very hard choice, like coming from living in homestead, um, which prepared me because I was living on my own for two years, I had an apartment, but the rent and like, the redlands homestead versus living in the city of miami so different very different (laughs) and so like my parents wanted me to start they were like okay get a roommate or okay get a one bedroom like no like i found a loft that i loved and i was like it has to be this loft Mm -hmm. like the lighting my plants i have office space like this is perfect and then it, (laughs) it happened like during a retrograde so while like we were coming out of the retrograde i came across the listing i was like this is perfect out of budget but it's perfect and then I didn't feel the feeling of like don't do this I felt like figure this out like sit Mm -hmm. down write down the numbers what do you have to make how could you make that how can you make that and then still save money I was like okay like I'm not I'm not gonna force it you know like if Mm -hmm. it doesn't they should know better than me like if if they look at my (laughs) income and my finances and they say like
1: Okay. Like you're not a then good I'm, fit. You're not a good fit. Yeah,
0: You know, they know I have a. I I was very honest. I um uh, before, like when I was looking with a realtor, like I was like, don't tell them I have a dog yet, even though I have papers for her. But this time I was like, no, I'm telling them up front. If they take somebody else, like whatever, I'll take it as a sign that this will come for me one day, but this is not the time. Right. And everything went so unbelievably smoothly. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, like this was, you know, this was meant to be. It, was, to it be. was like perfect in the way that every day I woke up was an affirmation. You know, it's like, I deserve to live in this beautiful space. I deserve to be in a space where I feel at home, where I feel safe, where I feel free to expand, like where I feel limitless. And it just, it constantly kept that energy and that flow in my mind. Mm-hmm. And it was very challenging because it was different, but it never felt undoable. Um, It just kind of like, really taught me all the lessons I needed to learn you know I looked at money differently it wasn't like money is some kind of like scary crazy thing it's like money is energy like anything else and if you prepare yourself for it if you approach things the right way like it'll come you know and um it it just changed the way I thought like there's no reason that some people have it and some people shouldn't it's just a matter of what we believe to be true mm-hmm. what we're capable of doing and and just like
1: things like that and, and then at one point my dog had puppies which i totally wanted to ask you about by the way <laughs> because obviously we follow each other on instagram and when i saw that pepper had puppies i was like excuse me <laughs> what <laughs> like so cute but talk about yes. just going with the flow of the year and just being like okay i'm gonna embrace this my, my dog is having puppies <laughs> Yes, yes. I mean, and it was just
0: something that like, I I mean, I listened, I feel like I listened to her because I've always joked about it with my friend. She has a schnauzer that is also like, he's so beautiful. He's all white. He's gorgeous. Mm. And we've always joked about them having puppies. And I've always been very nervous about it because I would like hate for something to happen to her because I decided to let her do that. Mm-hmm. Um so I've always gone back and forth about it. But that particular heat cycle, we were just like in the park and she was trying to hump everybody. Like she was on the Chihuahuas, <laughs> she was on the Frenchies and I was like, no 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 we're not we're not, we're not doing this. No 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 <laughs> That would not be cute. So um yeah they had a play date and I wasn't even sure if they made it happen because she didn't really change she didn't gain any weight and I took her to the vet and the vet was like well we can't really tell you anything for sure until 42 days and I was like okay well how long is she pregnant and he was like 58 days and what? I was like okay so how much does the test cost and he was like $300 and I was like so it cost you it cost me $300 to find out 10 days before she gives birth that she's giving birth unbelievable I like, no I think at that point like I'll figure it out right so <laughs> oh my god so, But she had, she ended up having them a week earlier than she was supposed to on Mother's Day. Mother's Day, I was in North Carolina for my sister's Chapel Hill graduation, and I left my friend to house it, and she calls me freaking out, like, Pepper hasn't talked to me all day. She's been hiding in her bed, and I'm like, okay, I think she's fine. Maybe she just misses me. She's like, okay, whatever. Whatever. The next day, she's like, something's happening to Pepper. Something's coming out of her. Oh and I'm just like, oh, my God. I am so sorry. This was, this was not supposed to happen today. Oh and I had to, like, I think I even wrote, I wrote in our group chat, like, can somebody go to my house? I remember right this.
1: That oh has God. had
0: experience with puppies. And um, oh. her mother-in-law <laughs> ended up making it over. And one of my other friends, and they all, like, helped with the delivery. And I had to watch via FaceTime. And it was just so crazy, so beautiful. The whole so crazy. I don't know. I still I can't describe it. But seeing them grow, like I've I've never gotten to experience that close up. So just the process of like how small they're born, Uh the fact that you can't see their eyeballs for like four weeks. (laughs) I'm just like, <laughs> I thought that she was going to have puppies and, like, in two days, it would be like a Disney movie. Like 101 like and Dalmatians, puppies. right? Yeah.
1: 100%. No, it, took like, it took, like, six weeks for them to be, like, play withable. And then by yeah. eight weeks, we gave them away. I mean, what was that like? Did it force you to stay home more? And just, yes. I mean, you were already on this self awareness, self reflection journey. And then Pepper has puppies and, and you've got to be there to help her with her babies. Did it force you to just. Be with yourself more and in a way that maybe you didn't even expect? Definitely. I have,
0: I learned probably like two Mm -hmm. years ago how to say no to going out, but it still doesn't take away the fact that you feel guilty or you wonder if like one day your friends are gonna hate you and just stop inviting you places. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when she had the puppies, I felt more empowered to say Mm -hmm. no and like it not be a negative thing and it just be like, I can't because the puppies. If you wanna see me, you can come, but like I'll be home. Um, and all of that free quiet time really did wonders right. for my mental state and just like visualizing mm-hmm. things and manifesting things and just like, I don't it know, it was just all of the time and focus that I needed.
1: There's this tweet that you put out a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago. And you said, I feel like I've lived so many lives this year. Do you remember that tweet? I think it just so beautifully encapsulates what we've been talking about that you go through this. Like awareness journey, and you go through this unraveling journey where you 're shedding these different layers and you're you change and you shift as time goes yeah. on, and then, in doing so, you learn more about yourself as you entered two thousand and twenty and by the time this this episode airs, it 'll be the second month of this year do you feel more secure in who you are? Do you know yourself more? Or do you feel like you're still in that process of shedding those layers and and living those different lives?
0: Yes. Well, I think I'll answer that a couple ways. And something I forgot to mention also with spending so much time by myself, it really changed my self-awareness. And it was only through that self-love journey that I could create the art that I'm creating now. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of A lot of the reason why I could not find my art style and like have that ultimate thing that I wanted so badly that I couldn't get was because of all of that noise and all of that expectation of like what I should be creating Mm -hmm. versus what really resonated with not me alone, because of course you hope other people will feel it and get it, but like it's coming from me. It's not because this is what sells or this is what people think are good or mm-hmm. what I think people will buy. And so it was like really through going through that process that I had to say, well, like, yes, right now it seems like illustrations do well. I'm not the first person to do faceless illustrations. I'm not the last. But a lot of what I was seeing was kind of like the same types of scenes, just mm-hmm. very fashion based and like very neutral tones creams and tans and things like that and the focus was more I think on like the setting and the fashion and kind of that wasn't as important to me as just wanting the women to exude confidence Mm -hmm. um and self-love and because that was a journey I was on and like the vibrancy and just that was something that came through really taking a step back and like looking inside and and kind of like picking apart like well why do you create this is it because you think people will like it or because you like it mm-hmm.
1: it's so interesting because it sounds like in many ways you went from working from a space of okay this is the style I'm seeing this is kind of my style but not really to then switching to like a space within yourself where there was more flow and you're working from this space of intention, like what you want to share, the powerful women, the mm-hmm. powerful stories that feel inspirational and exciting to you and then developing your style from that. I mean, that, that's what I'm taking from what you just shared. And I think that's such a powerful reminder for people. Like work from that space of mm-hmm. flow, work from that space of intention create from that space and from there you can really bring in your your sense of authenticity and creativity and color and and celebrate you know your artistic expression and your artistic journey it's like once you started to do that everything just flowed the way that it was supposed to
0: yes yes and to me it was so beautiful and it's so freeing to just create from that space and like not constantly need outside inspiration You know, I feel like I would spend hours on like Pinterest or Mm -hmm. Tumblr and just like looking for something that will like spark my inspiration. And now like I feel like in many ways I am the muse and like Mm. what or what I love about women or what I want women of color to feel is my inspiration and that is never ending, you yeah. know, like there's not a
1: picture that sparks that. It's more so. a feeling. Yeah. It's like the inspiration comes from within as opposed to tying or searching for that inspiration, you know, on the outside through mm-hmm. like external things. And it reminds me of what we talked about at the beginning of our conversation, which was like this marker or this measure of success, like knowing that success comes from within and what you draw from your own experiences as opposed to you know, really searching for it external to who you are and external to, you know, your journey. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: And then just understanding that that like self-love journey is constant and that finding yourself is constant. Like Mm -hmm. I did the work and I shed a lot, a lot, a lot of layers and it brought me to a space where I can speak confidently, where I feel validated to even talk to you and share my experience. You know, I'm not thinking like, well, who am I? Like, you know, like I once said, like, why does you want to talk to me? It's just mm-hmm. like that affirmation. But then also knowing that six months or like a year from now, I might have to shed more layers yeah. and I might have to get over some outdated versions and expectations of myself, yeah. like yeah. labels or whatever the case may be. That also helps, you know, yeah. because there's there's mm-hmm. no arrival. And it's been important for me yeah. to know that.
1: I think that's a really important reminder that there is no arrival. You never get there. And like whatever there is, I'm putting like air quotes around that word right now, because Mm -hmm. the truth is, is like your journey, who you are, this self-love, this compassion for self, this allowing yourself to grow and create and become more aware of who you are. I think within that process, it's ever evolving and it's ever changing. And I think this so beautifully ties into what in bloom your your latest book is really all about it's about this journey of who you are and where you've been and what it's been like shedding those layers and then allowing yourself to bloom you know, where you are, where you're planted right now. I think it's really amazing. I talk about this all the time, just how life imitates art and how, when you allow your life to be personified within that art, I mean, it's just beautiful, Mm -hmm. the impact and, and the possibility, and then the way it touches other people and, and touches you too. Definitely. I feel like this one was even more
0: vulnerable Because the first book, even though it was about, you know, a specific time and relationship or relationships, I wasn't as self-aware. So it's kind of like the me that I'm exposing is not even fully me yet. So this time, having come so close to the core of like, who I really am, and like, what scares me and what excites me and all of that stuff, like, Now that I know that and I've revealed it to myself, I can reveal it in the writing. And that's what makes it more like vulnerable to me, Mm -hmm. but also not scary because I feel like that is what I want my legacy to be. Like, if I'm encouraging people to be something, it's to be themselves. And I think I can only do that by being myself and like, Sharing that proudly, like I've shared my my losses as much as my gains, and that is important. Like it's important to know that that's the journey.
1: Yeah, I agree with that so much. And I think we can't really share who we are until we get to know who we are. If if that makes Mm -hmm. any sense. And every time, I'm sure you feel this way too. Like every time I'm vulnerable in sharing an experience or sharing a lesson or a loss or whatever it might be, I always sometimes feel like this moment of hesitation. Like, is this too much? Am I sharing? too much? Am I revealing too Mm -hmm. much? And then it's Mm -hmm. like, you do it, you put yourself out there, you do the vulnerable thing. And then the next time you realize, oh, I can actually be more vulnerable. It's like a muscle Mm -hmm. that you start to flex and start to build, but you're so right. You can't really do that until you start to get to know who you really are. And then that process is ongoing too. Yes. So we're embarking on a new year and a new decade. And so much of what your work focuses on and what we've shared in this conversation is I think really about nurturing yourself and staying true to who you are and learning your style. And then also, I think being proud and celebrating who you are and and really celebrating out loud. So what are you celebrating out loud this year in 2020? I'm
0: definitely looking forward to a newfound level of just trust. Last year, I did all of those things not knowing what it was for. And now I understand it was for my evolution. Now I trust every feeling, every direction that I'm propelled into. Mm-hmm. I trust myself in situations and I know that I can achieve like little by little getting over imposter syndrome and, you know, just yeah. things like that. I'm really looking forward to just navigating this year with that accelerated level of self-trust. And then travel. Mm-hmm. Last year, I really stayed put, you know, and that that was the other beautiful thing about the apartment. It's like, if you're going to spend 365 days somewhere, it might as well feel like home and it mm-hmm. might as well feel limitless. And so this year I definitely want to not <laughs> be put, not be in the same place for a long time. Um I'm looking forward to a journey and just chasing that feeling a little deeper. Mm-hmm. Just because I think Europe in general has a different appreciation for art mm-hmm. aside from like the commercial that I've learned here, which has been good because, you know, I wanted to make money from my art. But I'm really looking forward to just more experiences that will deepen and like affirm that. So that will be my 2020. I'm excited for you.
1: I have to ask you the question I ask everyone that comes on Seek the Joy podcast. And that is, what is your biggest dream?
0: I would say, even though I've gotten over a lot of my relationship things, like I used to have this mindset that like divorce or like miscarriage and not being able to carry kids would be something that I just could not survive and I've really done the work to kind of like know that if that's not my path that's not my path but I still feel like because anything that's like goal-oriented I already feel like I have the tools to achieve yeah romance and like having a family still feels like that one thing that I can't control but like still crave like Mm -hmm. the intimacy and the trust with these newfound like relationship ideals that are not just like being swept off my feet, but like really like partnership. I think that's definitely um, my dream.
1: Mm, I love that. And you know what? I think it will come and it's through these life experiences that kind of serve as stepping stones to give you those moments of reflection and inspiration and also a deeper understanding of what partnership and stability and intimacy, you know, in that way will really look like and and feel like for you. Mm -hmm. And that's true. Rena I have loved having this conversation with you and having you on Seek the Joy podcast. <laughs> Where can everyone find you and learn more and, and connect? Definitely. Um,
0: by name, Reina Noriega. That My website is Noriega.com. My Instagram is noriega underscore.
1: Perfect. I'll include everything in the show notes. It'll be so easy for everyone to find you. And just thank you so much again. This was a really fun conversation just exploring more, your journey and creativity and I'm excited to see how it all unfolds.
0: It was. Thank you so much for having me. I've told you before, this is one of my favorite podcasts. Your voice brings me joy. Your commitment oh. to helping other people find joy in their lives. I admire that much. So thank
1: you. Oh, ditto. Thank you.